Epic Turn is a podcast about the hobby gaming industry, what we love and hate about, how it's evolving and changing, and other things that as gamers we're passionate about. Your hosts are Brian McLemore, that's me, and Tim Aldridge. Welcome as we take our next Epic Turn with a special guest. We have, uh, let's see, Todd Rowland from EA, uh, AEG. <laughs> Sorry, I get tongue-tied. Anyway, so uh, Todd, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing quite well. How are you guys? Uh, we're doing amazing. Uh, so for our listeners who don't know who you are, Todd, will you just give a, uh, as long as an introduction as you want, but can you introduce <laughs> yourself to our listeners? I'll try to keep it short. I am the, I have a couple of titles at AEG. I am the director of marketing, so I'm in charge of our marketing efforts on you know social media as well as print and web marketing and advertising, things of that nature, contests, charity things, all that sort of stuff. I also am the senior brand manager at AEG. Basically, our term for product managers is brand manager. It always has been. And um, I oversee the production of quite a few games Mm -hmm. uh, directly. And I also sort of, I mean, I don't really overview the other guys. The other guys are completely good at what they do, but I'm always a eye on the stuff before it goes out the door, which in reality, everyone is, but that's the things I do for AEG. Awesome. Well, I, now I have to, now I have to kind of ask what games have you directly oversaw so far? Cause <laughs> now I'm curious if I've played any of them. Well, in my career so far, which is, I was just realizing it's been nine years. I've been with AEG coming wow. up just now. So I'm getting near that 10 year mark. I think I get the aluminum watch for the 10th anniversary. Oh, that's but, cool. uh, <laughs> I hope, um, Anyway, the ones I started on the Warlord CCG way back in the day. That was the first job I was offered was to manage Warlord. And I did that for a number of years. And following that, I transitioned into managing Legend of the Five Rings, uh, the entire line, CCG, RPG, the graphic novel, and all sorts of other things like that. After doing L5R for a number of years, we decided to start spinning up what we refer to as our new games team. Mm-hmm. which is new development, board games, one-shot games, continuous games, things like that. And so I had a great time doing L5R. I managed L5R for about two and a half of its arcs, but I tend to get a little distracted by the shiny new thing. And so being on a team that moves from one shiny new thing to another was just too appealing so I ended up moving myself over to that and started working on our board game side. That seems pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, lately I've, I've, I was saying this in our uh, pre-show, but uh, smash up has been one of my new favorites from you guys. Thank I just you. love the, the absolutely the craziness that comes with it. I mean, <laughs> you know, one minute I'm playing wizard ninjas. The next thing I'm playing, you know, steampunk dinosaurs. And I think I ended the night on, um, uh, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. It's on the tip of my tongue. Um, uh, that's uh, bear cavalry cultists. Nice. <laughs> and that was just the best, best fun I've had in a long time with board games. I absolutely loved mm. it. That sounds like something of a Harry Dresden novel. A little bit, yeah. 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 <laughs> All you need is some undead dinosaurs, and we're perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we were we were just really grateful that Paul brought us the prototype of that. Uh, we knew Paul from a long time ago, and he brought it over, and we started playing it. And we actually met at someone's house for an extended weekend, myself and a couple other employees, because we're all spread all over the place. 
And we played the game for pretty much the whole weekend. And it was on little white sheets of paper with numbers and stuff written on it. And we had so much fun just playing game after game that we knew we had to produce it. And so, uh, you know, Paul said about refining it and tuning the decks even more. And we made a few changes to the way you win the game and stuff like that. And then, you know, got started on doing the, the look for it. And that was, uh, that's where I seem to have the most fun. And my job is coming up with the visual and the creative look for the game. Uh, you know, there's games that will come in that I'll get so excited about because I see this product, right? Mm-hmm. I, in my head, I see this box and I see it opening and all the stuff inside it and what it looks like. And then the other people will come tap me on the shoulder and be like, no, that's a horrible game. I'm like, okay, never mind. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it would have looked amazing. If I it would have been the coolest theme ever. I'm like, yeah, but it's not a very good game. We're going to pass on it. I'm like, okay. Oh, that, that's, that's sad. <laughs> <laughs> it happens to me all the time. <laughs> I'd say that that's, that's a problem. Uh, even our own group has is, you know, we, you know, we find a game and that we really like, but then all of a sudden, it's hey by the way did you hear this was released well what is this you know you, it, it, gen con was terrible i mean what i mean by terrible it was extremely amazing but the problem was is you walk by everything and you just want to buy every new game you see i mean i, I think i was at your guys's booth like four times like every day i was there and like day one i bought a uh, love letter which oh, you know, good. We, that was our warm up to the show by the way was uh playing a copy of love letter i got the, the special special factory one Oh, good. And uh, we ended up playing that, which I have some questions uh, concerning that, but I, I don't want to go off topic just yet. <laughs> uh, you have a topic? We, it, it, Todd is our topic. Yeah. Um, uh, so then uh, day two, I went and uh, because I'm a big L5R player, I oh, mentioned good. earlier, a big L5R player, been playing um, off and on over the couple of years and then um, and then really big into the RPG. Uh, I think I own every supplement, I think. I have to go back and look. Um, but I, I purchased the second city box set because I was missing it. Uh, then day three, I I stopped by and tried to grab a copy of um, of uh, Thunderstone uh, Numenera. Which, again, there's questions about that. Um, and that was sold out, and I was really sad. Yeah, it went pretty fast what we were able to get in for the show. That was one of those situations where the press time was so close to it that we had to rush ship some of it in, but you can only do so much of that before the cost of getting it there begins to defeat the purpose of selling it. So that makes sense. That is what we could. Um, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Actually. <laughs> I, I, I find it funny when people uh, walking around the floor and talking to other people like, yeah, we decided to, you know, do a drop shipment in right now. Like what? Yeah, something has to be going really crazy. We did that with trains this year because trains was selling a lot. But for the most part, we don't do that. Now, we're lucky. We have a uh, warehouse facility in Knoxville that stores a lot of stuff for us. And so we can contact them, and it's not as difficult to get it you know, driven in from there at Gen Con. Mm-hmm. But for other shows, it requires a lot more advanced planning once once you're there and that's what you've got sort of thing 
Yeah. So, so Todd, can we get the the, the number to that warehouse? Um, we need a <laughs> copy of Trains. So, oh, well, I can get you a copy of Trains. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. We'll just, we, that far, listen, but... listen. We just want to stop by the. We just want to stop by the warehouse, Todd. Stop uh, by the warehouse. It'll just be a lot easier on us just to stop by. You know, we'll <laughs> say hi to the security guy. <laughs> we'll say we're we're friends of the family. You you know, I'm just saying. Just need that. Address. I understand and that. I would like to feeling. offer our services next year to carry a couple of boxes up for you to Gen Con. <laughs> um, we we drive close by. It won't be too far out of our way. And I promise Sweet. most of it will get there. Most, well, as long as most gets there, most that's what's get, important. Yeah. Most, most will get there. No, I understand that feeling. I remember a few a few years ago, mm-hmm. I was out in LA at the main office, and we have another warehouse up in Apple Valley, California, and we were closing it down to move stuff uh, out of there just because we didn't need to rent the space anymore. <laughs> and I rode up there with our owner, John Zinzer. And going through some of that stuff that had been way back in the back of the warehouse was just blowing my mind. Those, you know, sealed boxes of Seventh Sea and Doomtown and all these other old games that had just been sitting there forever and they were coated in dust. And I was just flipping out. You know, I was total fanboying on our own stuff. I was like, oh, oh, can I take this with me? And it's like, yeah, take it, whatever. You know, I'm going to get rid of it anyway. Just take it. Oh, man. If I, if I saw some unopened boxes of Seventh Sea, I think I might have an aneurysm. <laughs> that, that is absolutely amazing. <laughs> it was really cool. And all these old posters and, you know, store signs that have been from back in the day and oh, wow. all this stuff and ended up uh, coming home with a little bit of it. But, that's awesome. It, that's yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a fun gig. It's not bad working in the game industry. There's there's ups and downs, but on the whole, I would not turn it down. Especially not in a public place where your boss might listen to you one day talk. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> by the way, all AG employees, Todd has not thrown any of you under the bus in the pre-roll. And, well, we're assuming he won't <laughs> do it in the after show either. So just <laughs> we promise if he does, we will put it on a, another feed and we will put it out to the public. So just bear with us. I've got a few of them lined up. I'm ready to. Oh, nice. Yeah. There you think, go. Man, our after, our after, you know, our after dark episode is going to be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Um, I guess I'm going to have to, I want to go back cause, um, you know, I, I remember reading, you know, that you guys got love letter. Uh, I think it was called uh deck of the dead or card of the dead. If I remember card of the dead, mm-hmm. that, that's it. And I mean, it seemed like, um, I was reading that you guys brought, you're bringing over a lot of Japanese, uh, board games over to the States. And I'm, I'm kind of wondering, um, what, what spurred that initiative? Uh, how did that come about? Ah. You know, we're, uh, that, that's something that I was, that really intrigued me when you, when that happened. Well, Especially what, with the announcement of love, love Letter. Right. Yeah. Well, what happened was about, I guess it was about two years ago, Zen's our, our owner. Um, I'll just refer to him as Z for the rest of the podcast. Right, Z was good. over in Japan visiting Arclight, uh, who is our publishing partner there mm-hmm. in Japan. They publish a lot of games and they bring a lot of AEG games to Japan. Mm-hmm. And he was there visiting, just doing sort of a you know handshake visit and going to one of the local shows and at this local show they showed him this game called love letter and they played it a few times and he was hooked he you know he was playing it at the bar that night and continuing to play it and was playing it for the whole length of his stay and by the end of it he told them you know look we we have to have this you know we have to bring this game out and you know we'll we'll do whatever it takes and so we signed the deal and we published Love Letter as part of our Tempest series. Mm-hmm. And it 
came out right about the time of last year's Essen was when it first released and it flew off the uh, shelves there at our booth. We, we couldn't keep it. And part of it was the low price. Part of it was the buzz, but it just sold and sold. And from there, we met at that same Essen, met up with several of our partners from Japan who had brought more independent designers with them to the show who had also brought their games. Mm-hmm. And at the hotel that night, we sat down and had dinner and some drinks and basically just tried all these little games. They got to basically pitch us on all these different games and we played them all and there were things we saw in some of them and not in others, but we found several that we thought were really interesting, small price games from these independent Japanese designers. We thought that'd be a very neat marketing hook to start, you know, just importing. And so we began to do that. We also got trains, which is not a small box game, but it was a, (laughs) it was a, it was very popular at last year's Essen. And it was, from what I gathered, it was pretty fiercely fought over and we were very honored to be the ones that they picked to bring it out. So uh, we brought it and then we decided to continue this line because it's it, people have, have really responded really well to it, especially in the hobby game community who don't get to often see games that are developed overseas by independent designers. You know, you'll see stuff that's developed by you know, popular, well-known designers, but a lot of small press guys who are in, especially countries like Korea and Japan, where the language barrier and the culture barrier is just a little bit more than, say, Germany or or somewhere like that. And to be able to bring those over was really cool. And so this last year, my wife and I actually went over to Tokyo for a week and visited with Arclight, met with them, and then went to that same show. It's called the Tokyo uh, Game Market. And we got to see a ton more little games and other types of games. And we've actually optioned about four or five of those that I played while I was at the show this last year that will be coming out most likely in the later part of next year. Uh, There's a lot of games that we've already announced that we have, such as Sail to India Mm -hmm. and uh, Patronize and some other games that are getting a lot of good good buzz among reviewers who are playing the Japanese version that we would love to have out right now while they're, you know, buzzing, but we're just not, we're just not going to be able to get them out until later in the year because of other schedules and stuff like that, but they will be coming out awesome as part of our little game line. So, so it sounds like you guys are really becoming like a really good indie publishing house in terms of for the, the games overseas and probably vice versa for American games that you want to bring overseas as well. You know, it's it's been interesting because of the success of Love Letter. And, you know, I won't hide it. Love Letter's been a, a phenomenon for the company. It, uh, you know, you can you can look at it and say, yes, it's a small game. It's a $10 game. So, therefore, our, our price point on it is pretty low and our, our revenue from it is pretty low. But it has sold just insane volume more than any other game we've produced. It's... Um, it, it's really incredible, and the the success that it has had and how big it's gotten has actually made us pretty well known among the independent designers. Because you know Seiji Kanai, it, it's funny he's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, and he's very humble and all this other. But in that community, he's kind of like a rock star. Not that he acts like it, but they kind of view him as one. 
And when he went with us and we had that big success with Love Letter and now he's also, you know, we've also got Say Bye to the Villains and Cheaty Mages and Lost Legacy and these other games that he's doing that'll be coming out. Many of the other independent designers from over there really want to be a part um, of what we're doing. So it's, it's been really nice to develop that channel. And then, you know, our traditional partnership with Arclight uh, has been great because all of our games like Smash Up and Thunderstone, Nightfall, and all those get to release in in Japan. And that's been really exciting. I had a Twitter picture my wife took of me. We were in an, we were in Ginza, the Ginza district, in a toy shop, and I saw Smash Up and Thunderstone on the shelf in Japanese. So she got a picture of me holding them up and smiling like a goober, <laughs> seeing my own stuff for sale in a you know high end toy store in in Tokyo. That's uh, got to be pretty surreal. It was it was very it was very interesting that 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 feeling of realizing that you know something that I put a silly dinosaur with a laser on is now being bought by people from a whole other country. It's just hey, weird. There's nothing silly about a dinosaur with a laser. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, Indeed, not silly at all. Not silly at all. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I can definitely identify with the feeling you're talking about. I Several years ago, I had the privilege of being a co-author of a book and being able to walk into like a Barnes & Noble and see my book on the shelf was a very – uh, surreal experience for me as well. So I, I, it sounds like you went through kind of the same thing. It, it was, it, it was, it was very neat because, you know, I've seen our stuff for sale, obviously at hobby game stores and all that and in the community. And, and, you know, that's great. That's fantastic. That's what we want to do. But to see it for sale at a, you know, a, a place that's not necessarily dedicated to that was, uh, mm-hmm. was very different. Um, yeah. And, you know, we're doing more of that, you know, some larger markets have, have expressed interest in love letter and, and to to some extent, smash up as well. So that's happening in other places as well. But just to see it there was was very very cool. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I I was looking through the AG website and I ran across this thing called Cheaty Mages. That's why yes. that's one of the new ones he said. Yeah, yeah. Out. And it just I don't know. The, it made me laugh when I saw it, but it looks like it could be entertaining. It it's very fun actually. We had uh, we had the press proof copy that mm-hmm. was sent to me to review just to you know check that it all came together properly and all that. And I usually just hang on to that one and keep that as my own copy. And I was playing it with some friends a couple of weeks ago and my wife came in and actually sat down and played it with us. And she actually really got into it and it's a pretty easily accessible game. Uh, it's very easy to play once, once you learn what's going on. And basically you're just trying to secretly play cards to, buff up or weaken these monsters in the arena that you're betting on. Hmm. And the drawback is that there's always a judge. And if you play too many, uh, not too many cards, but too many powerful cards, because every card has its own, you know, mana cost Mm -hmm. uh, and number. And if the number goes too high on a particular monster, that judge will have a a judgment. Either they'll cancel all the spells on it, or they'll kick the monster out or something else will happen. You might lose your whole bet. So you have to balance, you know, (laughs) So it's not pushing it up to the up to the edge without pushing it over the edge. Exactly, exactly. And that one we actually left the original art on. Oh, nice. Uh, from the outset, we we you know people have always asked, okay, why did you change the art for Love Letter? And it's like, well, you know, at the time, you know, Love Letter's original art, I I find it very charming. I think it's really cool art, but we did it in Tempest, which is more of a standard 
you know, Western style art mm-hmm. uh, with a standard princess and a standard bishop or priest, you know, mm-hmm. and people say, Oh, you know, why'd you change it? And I'm like, well, you know, all I can say is I can look at the n- amount we've sold in the way that game looks. And I can't say we made the wrong choice. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it did very well. And would it have done better with the original art? I, I can't say. All I can say is it's done really well the way it is. So right. we're quite happy with it. And it's it's one of those things that's hard to balance, I think, because talking to other game publishers as well, you know, the artwork is what gets people to pick up the box. Mm-hmm. Right. A lot of times. And it has to be fun for them to keep picking it up. But that first time, you know, they need to have something they can connect to. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, it seems like for an Americanized, either had to go for a Western art style or anime. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and the original was a little bit of neither, I think. Right. Sukihira's yeah. art is not really anime. It's no, it's very right. much her own style. And right. it's it's really cool. Yeah, I like it. I like it, but yeah. um it doesn't it's not categorized very easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, uh however, by the same tone, we are also keeping the original art for Say Bye to the Villains, oh, which really? is another one they're bringing out. Part of that is because there's so many cards in the game that recommissioning new art for it would be incredibly uh budget straining but on this by the same token the art in it is incredibly incredibly good and it's really it's not quirky is not the right word but it's very <laughs> neat for the subject matter yeah that it is, so I can't wait to see that then uh, it's not even on the site yet so yeah it's I was not just, I was just scrolling through not. the list trying to find it that one's scheduled for much later next year, so it has not made it on the site yet. Uh, some of the others, like Sail to India and My Star, will be out before it. So, yeah. oh, it's okay. We can go find pictures. I'm sure. They're exactly. Out there oh, you can. Oh, yeah. You can find oh. pictures. You can even find videos. I think of the Japanese version. So, oh, wow. Yeah, we'll have to check that out. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like I said, it seems like you guys are. I mean, I that was what you know really that when that hit the news for me, I kind of my ears perked up. And I was like, really. Because you don't hear about many companies doing that, like you had pointed out. It's easier for like French, German uh, games to make their ways uh, over to us. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you guys are extending beyond what I consider, what most people I guess would consider a normal way of getting, you know, overseas board games. The fact that you are going to these small independents, it, it, I got to say, it's it's one reason why I continue to respect AEG. Oh, thank you. Company. Thank you very much. Besides, so, the L5R is awesome. <laughs> well, one thing, you know, we're going to... No, wait, okay, no, go ahead, fanboy. <laughs> we're we're going to put uh, we're gonna put chocolate in your peanut butter early next year because there is going to be a Legend of the Five Rings love letter Whoa. coming out. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be set in Rokugan. It's going to be set with the uh, Iwako's uh, daughter, the third child, who has not been talked about much yet in the storyline. But uh, everyone wants to marry their clan off to the uh, Imperial heiress. So that's, uh, what the game will be themed around and it will be a part of the Kotai season next year. So as a side event, everyone will be playing L5R love letter to determine which clan will win the hand of the princess of the Waco dynasty. Yeah. Well, hold on for one second, Todd. Uh, Brian, um, about next year at Gen Con. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we might be a little bit busy, but I'm sure you can uh, sneak off for a little bit. I don't think I'm going to be able to do any interviews. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you aren't leaving me to that by myself. <laughs> but it's, it's love letter and cool time. Yeah, you should have seen his face as you were describing this. That's, that's all I'm going to say. Oh. It, it's an incredibly 
beautiful set of cards. The same artist who did the Tempest art mm-hmm. is also an L5R regular, and he did all of the art for this version. And it's very, very cool. <laughs> I think he's between wanting to like hug you and punch you at this point. <laughs> I would say hug because that's awesome and punch because I don't have it in my hands. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I don't have it in my hands yet either, but it will be coming copy. out. <laughs> Wait, when you get that, when you get that copy, just uh, send us some photos. Yes, I sure will. That'd be yeah. Awesome. I sure will. But yeah, I mean, with, with L5R, um, you know, it's coming into, God, I, don't know, I forgot what, how many bait this would be what it's ninth or tenth arc yes my my numbers are a little off in my head (laughs) we're Um, into the 18th year 18th year yeah Yeah. i think it's like it's every three years so sorry it wouldn't i want to say it's like the seventh or eighth arc now Mm -hmm. Um, but i mean that 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 property you know when i describe it to people and the selling point I always make to get people to pick up, uh, you know, the starter decks and the clan decks um, is always the fact that you get to influence the card game itself. Like you, you know, you go to storyline events, you go to Cotes, you go to um, championships, you go to challenges and all that. And you can really affect the storyline, which I'll be honest, there's no one else that does it. And uh, what I guess uh, this is something I've always wanted to ask someone from AEG is what made you guys go down that route instead of the standard formula of, you know, we're just going to hold our world's tournament. We're going to hold this tournament and none of it's really going to have any outcome on the, on the game itself. Well, way back when, uh, when it was first in development, uh, I wasn't actually with the company back then. That was before my time, but I do know all the old stories and all the old guys from back then. And they set out to design a game. Now, the the funny thing about AEG prehistory um, is that before we were AEG, we were Five Rings Publishing Group. And before that, we were Shadis. And they published the Shadis magazine, hmm. uh, which at the time was the first magazine in the world to publish a Magic the Gathering price guide. And um, Shadis was a, was a you know, big deal for a while. And then we, we, the, the, the royal we, AEG, um, <laughs> decided to publish its own collectible card game. And so they landed on Samurai and came up with all this backstory. And when they published the game, you know, I don't know the, I don't quite recall if the exact decision was to do the storyline stuff from the outset or if it was that shortly after releasing a game, they began to notice how people were you know, clanning up mm-hmm. and, you know, becoming parts of the clan. And then people were so into it that, you know, it just was almost, if, if it wasn't planned, I guarantee you it was a natural offshoot to start letting the players direct it. And um, in, it's been funny to watch the evolution of that as well, because, if you go back to the early days and I played the game since Imperial. So I was back in at the beginning too, as a, as a player that the story was much more limited in the early days uh, because the internet wasn't a big deal. As far as the, the interaction of the story goes, everything came from the cards and the rule books. Right. And you might get a storyline event at Gen Con mm-hmm. and maybe one at like, Kublai Khan or something like that, you know, another random convention around there. 
Uh, not that KublaCon's a random convention. I love KublaCon. Don't take that the wrong way. Um, send your hate mail to. Yeah, but, no, we'll be posting. But, email you know, you'd have a random event around here and there, but for the most part, the actual points of interaction were pretty limited. Mm-hmm. And since then, it's grown into almost consistent interaction, which has its positives and negatives, you know, positive is, you know, people feel invested all the time and there's always something going on and there's, you know, 12 dozen characters to care about and to influence <laughs> the, the negative of course, being that there's 12 dozen characters to care about and influence and inevitably they all can't get screen time. And so, you know, you'll go a whole arc and your Tomo Bob has not had a story in three years and all the people who are fans of your Tomo Bob are all upset because, you know, he's been ignored and it's like, well, I, you know, we had a choice. We either had to tell you what happened with the, the big giant war that was going to decide the end of the world, or we could tell you about your Tomo Bob, you know, <laughs> we, which one do we do this week? <laughs> Bob, Bob's important. Right. I know Bob's very important, but <laughs> that's sort of the, that's sort of the, the, the one flip side you run into with the, amount of interaction that's available now. Yeah. And well, again, that's the not, only not flip side. It doesn't seem like that's that bad. It's not that bad. No, it, <laughs> I mean, it's it seems really like not. it could be much worse. Uh, yes, it could be. And it has been in the past. But <laughs> it, uh, Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's been through its ups and downs, just like any, any mm-hmm. game's been through its ups and downs. And I think that where the design team is right now, I think where the story team is right now are, are both in very, you know, very good places. And, if you look at L5R, you know, it's evolved and it's learned and it's made mistakes as a, as a product and, you know, learn from those and try to go new directions. And, um, it's, it's been, you know, it's been a fun ride. It's one of those games where you can look back and say, you know, I've had new players come in and when they found out that people used to get to play the Naga, you know, they were around for, you know, five years and it's like, yeah, you could be them. And it's, hmm. Things that happened in the game almost have a legendary status among the the player base, right? People yeah. can say, yeah, I, I fought for the Naga at this event back in 98. And people are like, whoa, you have to be Naga? You know? So <laughs> that's kind of fun in itself, you know, that yeah. people have memories like that. So, so no, L5R is just a, it, it is a, it is its own, it is its own beast. And it's just a really cool thing to to have been a direct part of and to get to sail that ship for a few years was it's pretty fun. I, I have to ask a couple of questions kind of about that. I mean, is there any of those moments where the storyline events dictated a course of action that like you or the people around you were like, you know, screaming against inside? <laughs> Nothing that anybody's really screamed against. I think that, um, that there were some things that we weren't entirely expecting that's happened a lot. Okay. Uh, one, one that stands <laughs> out in examples? particular. Well, one that stands out in particular from when I think it was just as I was transitioning out, we did the um, storyline at Gen Con where the Empress, there was the plague going on, and one of the families was going to get infested with the plague so bad that the only choice was to wipe out that family. Um, Seems and. Harsh. It's very harsh, but you know, you either stop it from spreading or you don't, right? Yeah. And the idea was that the Empress comes down and gives her edict saying this family uh, has to be wiped out. And it was the Horiuchi, actually. We, we picked the one family that pretty much everyone in the game likes. You know, it's like there's nothing you can't like about the Horiuchi. And so 
the the thing was it was oh my gosh I'm going to be a total jerk if if my clan's the one who, who kills him and the unicorn are going to hate us forever but it's incredibly you know honorable and glorious because it's the empress's command and to get to do it under her edict is huge for the clan so it's this dichotomy of you know being a bastard versus you know gaining huge standing in the empire so we ran that event and the spider one, which, you know, okay, well, they'll eat the Horiuchi anyway. But then not only did the spider win, but the guy won playing a predominantly goblin deck. Mm-hmm. So, and he really wanted the goblins to feature in it. So coming up with that story was, was um, Sean actually had a little bit of, of nefarious glee in writing that story, but that was not what we had expected to happen at the end of that event. Um, but it was a lot of fun having, uh, having the goblins actually eat the family. So, you know, Along uh, with, sorry. Oh no, no. Uh, just, you know, random, random things like that have happened. The, the whole fact that the, the scorpion became the Emerald champion for the last uh, story actually became one of the best inter-character stories the games ever had. But again, it was one of those things of, wow, do we really want to let the Poison Master be the Emerald Champion? It's like, well, that's who he wants. Okay. Yes, yes you do. Poison <laughs> Master is the Emerald Champion then. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was probably one of my favorite storylines from Celestial Era was that. Like, hmm. that was absolutely amazing. <laughs> I remember because I, um, I was playing Crane at the time. And, you know, we had uh, Hirotoshi. Not Hirotoshi. Um, you got me saying Hirotoshi in my head. Um, <laughs> Noritoshi. Noritoshi, thank you. Uh, and we had we had a Scorpion player, and I had built a, a dueling deck just to have fun with that guy. Because we'd <laughs> always like we'd meet up and you know, I had I had my my um my honor kind of rocket deck, and then I had this dueling deck. So whenever you know the group all played, I only whipped out that deck just to play against him. That's awesome. Just so I could be like, <laughs> and no. And no. <laughs> See, that, that's, that's what great. I love about L5R is you get really invested in your clan. I mean, I've I, 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 okay, so I've, I've played L5R a little bit with Tim, but I've never been the, a regular player. So from the outside looking in, it seems really cool, but kind of scary in its fanaticism. <laughs> um, you know, hearing about like you can go to these forums and you can put bounties out on these other clans and pay people money to to go hunt down and kill them in the in the storyline events. It, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> it is pretty crazy. And, and some people have put up cash bounties. I think that mm-hmm. I actually like the ones where they get a little more creative and they come up with some, you know, prize that relates to the story and something like that. But yeah, you know, we've had people come up, uh, especially a lot of guys who are in the military who play the game have come up and actually show us, you know, yeah, here's my crab tattoo, you know, and he'll lift up his shirt sleeve and he's got the big giant crab mon <laughs> tattooed on his arm or, you know, here's my lion one. And the one thing about L5R that I've always found very funny is that we'll be at, at a show like Gen Con and someone will come up and they'll introduce themselves to us and they'll say, you know, yeah, I haven't, uh, I haven't really played L5R in like five years or something, but I'm a crab. And then they'll continue the conversation. And, and it's funny to notice the, I haven't played in five years, but then the active voice, I am a crab. You know, they, they have not let go of, you know, which, who they are. And that's what's really cool about it is that the people really do, you know, become part of that group. When you go to Gen Con, the clans themselves have their own clan dinners yep. at Gen Con that they go to, you know. 
uh, we've been invited to some, to a few of them and, you know, we'll make some, you know, come have dinner with a unicorn at the, uh, Weber grill or something like that. It's just this whole ballroom of unicorn players all talking up their plots for the next year. So <laughs> wow, just no, that's, that's amazing to have a, have an audience that's so engaged and invested like that. You don't it see that very many places. No, you don't. You, you really don't. And, and a lot of these guys, you know, uh, I, there's many of them I've known the whole 18 years. Um, wow. and, I've always said that it's it's great because Alpha Wars is the only game that I know of where, you know, if you're even even just an outside member of the community, you know, you can go on the AG forums and say, "Hey, I'm going up to uh, I'm going up to Maine this this weekend, and, and I need a place to stay." And within a little bit, you'll have someone offering a couch, you know, <laughs> because the community is just that tight. You know, I was about to say I saw that with. Um with Gen Con even like, Hey, mm-hmm. I'm on the crane on the crane forums. Like I need a place to sleep. So I'm be like, Hey, you can stay in the hotel room. Here's your cut. Here's your price. It's, it's, it's a real, I would say it's, it's not even just about camaraderie at that point. Um, all it is, but <laughs> I, I don't know. It's like, it's like looking at someone and, you know, looking at other card games, you know, magic. Mm-hmm. And when someone tells you, you don't understand the meta, you kind of laugh because if you're an L5R player, like, no, you really don't understand the meta. Like, you can't even begin to comprehend this meta. It has nothing to do with the cards. Well, I think it's because L5R is so interesting in the way that it positions you as a player. Because in other games, you know, like Magic or Yu-Gi-Oh or whatever, the general position is that it's you against the world, right? Either you win the tournament or you don't. Whereas with L5R, if you're a Lion Clan player, if any Lion wins, you're all going to benefit. Yep. And the teamwork aspect of that begins to kick in. And then over years, as you continue to play, as the storylines weave in and out, different clans will ally up for various reasons. You know, the Lion may decide, you know, hey, we're going to work with the Crane players to make sure that this happens. And then you begin to get to know them and and that sort of interrelationship begins to build. And then of course, a few years later, you're at each other's throats over some, over some other slight, but that's just part of the fun, you know, they should not have invaded my land. Just saying never (laughs) invade my land. And after last year's Cote season where we didn't win anything. Oh, it's on. It's on. (laughs) What what are you, Tim? Because, because you haven't actually said on the air, I am a crane player. I I actually, I did. I said I played crane deck. Oh, did you? I don't remember that. It's all right. When you start battling with L5R, I halfway pay attention and halfway phase it out. Nice. Thanks, man. Yeah. Well, Uh, (laughs) you can go on for hours, man. It's true. We could. We could. Sorry Sorry. for one second. Um, I actually wanted to tell one of my favorite stories just because it reminded me about something about L5R and I wanted to say, I wanted to tell it is I went to my first ever storyline tournament. Uh, within the first couple months of uh, getting back in and I had no collection that was relevant to uh, Celestial at all. And I uh, will tell you this right now, I scrubbed out real bad. Like, I think I was the worst in the clan. I've been there. Yeah, but the one thing I loved was I was playing against, this guy flew all the way from Puerto Rico to Florida to play. And not a huge trip, but you know, it's yeah. he, he made the journey. You, you got you got on an airplane to come play a game of cards. It's a huge trip. It doesn't <laughs> matter how far. <laughs> he, um, well, I was talking to this anyway. So um, he was sitting there, and he was my last opponent. He was uh, sorry, he was my uh, first opponent of the night, and 
he uh, he looked at me. He goes, "So you've never?" He's like, "We were talking back and forth." And uh, he 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 was the top crane player, I guess, in Puerto Rico because he was wearing a uh, top of clan hat. Uh, I guess that was something they gave away at uh, the tournaments down there. Yeah, and he's like, he's like, dude. Let me help you as soon as this tournament's done because you need some help. <laughs> Thanks, man. But at the very end of it, he sat and uh, retooled and he taught me so much about the game. And that also finished with at that tournament. And the other reason I really like L5R's tournaments is I was the worst player that night. Like I scrubbed out. I was the worst. I had the worst record. And I still got something. I got a whole rare collection from the the two bug sets like <laughs> just handed to me in a binder. Hmm. and they're awesome. like that there was like that was the prize and at that moment i was like this is my game <laughs> oh right that that's because they yes that was the bottom player prize yes. you know, to give you more cards it would help you get out of that <laughs> position well it wasn't even that like even the the each top player which i thought this was again another thing is to each top player in each clan um got a copy of the uh, fourth edition, the really nice collector's edition with the gold moans and everything. They gave them mm-hmm. a copy of each of the clans to each of the players. Hmm. And it just, it, it, it's something that you do not see in many card games. The fact that you really want the players investing, you really want to give it. And that, that for me, that was my, that was my hook right. into the game was the camaraderie and the fact that everybody was really helpful and everybody, you know, everybody in the crane clan was very protective. Like when I got drowned, I mean, I got decimated by an enlightenment deck for my <laughs> second game. Then all the crane players came over to me like, okay, dude, you didn't, you didn't make a play mistake. That's the good news. The bad news <laughs> is your deck sucks. Just let you know. Like, thanks, guys. <laughs> so they were there to, you know, help me feel better about losing. Now, if that was any other card game, unless those were my friends or the people I went to the tournament with, no one would come up and do that. Right. no one really would yeah so it, it's it, it's really true it's really true it's a great community yeah. uh, and and i guess one thing that while i've got a captive audience here i will plug is that we and we being my wife and i are hosting a l5 arc tournament at disney world next year so wow. one of the kotai events will be the walt disney world kotai it's the first ever <laughs> um never been done before but uh when my wife gets a plan in her head, it generally happens. Okay, and that's and, Disney World, right? That's Disney World in Orlando. It'll be played at the Coronado Springs, which is the sort of the convention hotel there on the property. Yep. So they've got convention space for us to play. And we'll be playing one day there. And then the next morning, uh, the top two and everyone else involved will get bussed over to Epcot to go to the Japan Pavilion, where they'll get to play the final round and have a catered breakfast at the Samurai Castle in the Japan Pavilion. Wow. And, and we'll have all sorts of other goodies uh, for everybody. And, you know, discounts on the parks, discounts on the hotels. Uh, that night after the event, we'll have a premium seating for the fireworks show, and as well as a free dessert party for everyone involved. And AEG is pitching in a ton, ton of goodies and prizes and participation stuff beyond even what the Kotai kit normally comes with. That's, so uh, that sounds crazy. It's yes, it is. Um, it is a not inexpensive event to come to because it is <laughs> Disney world and we <laughs> are making no bones about that. It is not a cheap Kotai to come to, but uh, however much you spend on coming, you can almost guarantee you will walk away with at least that much value in stuff. That's uh, awesome. Just for having come and you will get to, go ride splash mountain with us and it'll be really fun. So, <laughs> so, so can we come? 
if you'd like to. There's Sweet. a sign up form on the website. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, what, so you said, you said late next year? It, actually, it's early next year. It's in May of next year. It's part okay. of the Kotai season. It'll count as part of the Kotai season. Awesome. So for that storyline. Um, and it will be May. I want to say that. I don't have the dates in front of me, but I believe it's around the 24th, 25th of May. That weekend, which is also one of the Star Wars weekends at Disney. Oh. There'll be all kinds of fun Star Wars stuff to do. Neat. And um, just lots of uh, geeky stuff all around. Wow. Oh. That sounds that sounds pretty awesome. And just for our listeners, we'll make sure we will look things up and make sure we get into the show notes. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's, we'll- uh, it's L5R.com slash WDW-Kotai. Uh, L5R what? <laughs> dot com. Uh-huh. Slash WDW okay. dash Kotai. C-O-T-E-I. Kotai. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. K-O-T-E-I. Yep. Kotai. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's loading. There, there we go. go. Okay. Yep, so there it is. Yep. Found it. Going to put it in the show notes. Fantastic. So if anyone is uh, curious about it, they can go check it out. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty, uh, pretty epic stuff. All right, Todd. I think I'm gonna. I guess yeah. I'm dusting off the crane. The crane skills <laughs> come back. Come well, we hope. Next no, don't worry. My triumph. Don't return worry. The last place. Yes. Some, <laughs> someone. Someone new will help you teach you how to actually play again. <laughs> well, by that time, uh, Ivory should be out, ready, and yes. fully legal. Correct. Yes. This tournament will be Ivory. It, it will be Ivory, and there will be uh, lots of Ivory goodies, and oh, okay. that will be the what, what we're playing. Nice. So part of the part of the problem I've always ran into is every time I'm about to try to start playing L5R, I go to Tim and I ask him, "Okay, which which cards do I buy?" He's like, "Wait six months because the new sets <laughs> yeah. are about to come out, and all the cards you buy now would be useless." Well, not useless. Well, but, but yeah, some useless, of them are not dual right. Yeah, but yeah. So it's like you have to wait, and we're I'm like, I don't want to wait. I want to do it now. <laughs> well, that's that's one of the things that uh, Brian and the team are doing is they're they're introducing the new you know extended formats and all those different formats. To uh, make the use of the cards extend a lot longer than they normally do. No, that seems that seems legitimate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I I, I kind of want to check out the legacy one, but anyway. Yeah. Um, I think we've been <laughs> man L five R. Yeah, L five R has dominated the last. work win in legacy. Yay. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's it's been good. Um, I actually want to take the conversation in a completely different spin for a few minutes. Oh no. Um, do not ask him about his personal life. What? No, no. Um, we talked about that in the pre-show. Anyway, um. So we talked, uh, I don't know if you've listened to any of the episodes. We talked a while back about the digitization of the hobby game and the card mm-hmm. games and stuff. And, and I know that you're, you might have a different perspective on it from us because Nightfall has been turned into an iOS game. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I worry that it's casualizing the market in an unhealthy way at some, and for some games and also not every game makes a good translation, is some of the things we were talking about, you know, like, uh, you know, really only things that seem to make great translations are, are purely asynchronous games like Ascension. Um, um, you know, and I, I was wondering if what, what your take on that kind of thing would be. And maybe talk about Nightfall a little bit because we haven't really talked about it too much. Sure. Well, I don't um, I don't disagree with you with your statement that some games just are better at that than others. That's absolutely true. Um, I believe that. You know, some people might brand me as a heretic for this, but I personally think that it's okay for the game to adapt to its medium. Mm-hmm. Meaning that if you have a game that has mechanic X, Y, and Z, and mechanic Y just really doesn't work in an electronic format, 
change it, take it out. You know, it, it doesn't affect me that much. Now there's purists who again are already getting their torches ready, but yeah, yeah. And, and some would say rightfully so. Well, p- perhaps, yeah. but again, it, it's a different media. It's a different experience, right? Mm-hmm. It, when I sit down at an iPad to play, you know, whatever game I'm going to play, I'm not, in, I'm not expecting to get the same experience that I do when I sit down at a table because I'm, I'm doing two completely different things. Right. You know, one I'm doing when I'm having a drink, having some snacks with my friends, cutting up out in the other room, you know, and playing the game and, and talking, you know, smack all night. Whereas the other one I'm doing while I'm on a plane or I'm, mm-hmm. you know, halfway falling asleep in bed. It's, it's a different thing to me. Um, so, you know, it, it wouldn't bother me as as much. Uh, you know, you mentioned Nightfall, and I, you know, I played the heck out of the Nightfall iOS for a long time, but even I'll admit, too, that, you know, yeah, it's it's not as asynchronous friendly mm-hmm. as some of the other games out there. Um, I have no problem saying that, uh, but that doesn't mean that it, it makes it any less fun for me. No, it's, it's, it's still something. a good game. Don't get me yeah. wrong. I wasn't trying to insinuate that. Oh, no, no, I didn't take that. <laughs> no, 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 I didn't really. No, no. yeah, um, but, you know, just talking about it a little bit, because... Um, for example, certain games like I know Penny Arcade is one in particular that really suffered from the iOS translation because there were so many cards that caused a a, a pass in, in control. Mm. So you had to mm. pass control back to the other player. And if you're playing with somebody in another city or, you know, you could take two days to take one turn. Right. Uh, because you had to, you know, you played three or four attack cards or whatever. The same thing with Nightfall too. Yeah. You sometimes I, yeah, it would happen with Nightfall too. Um mm-hmm. But again, I, and that's where I guess I come it's from. It's been a while since I played the Nightfall iOS, so I apologize for, <laughs> for not using uh, it in more illustrations. But yeah, but I, I guess that's where where my opinion sort of comes from of that it's it should be okay for the game to adapt to the to the media. Mm-hmm. Um, in some games, definitely, I think would be serviced better by that, even if it would you know aggravate the purist out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah, that's that's. Uh, that's my take on that, uh, <laughs> for what it's worth. But, uh, but now about Nightfall in particular, you know, Nightfall was, um, and it, it was a really big, big one for us when it came out. We did a huge promotion with the release of the card set where we gave away 100 copies to people um, wow. over 100 days. And that was really, really big. And Nightfall had, has done, Nightfall did really, really well for us. Um, uh, the new set that's coming out, uh, Eastern Skies, is, is actually, I mean, it's still innovating. That's what's really cool about it, is it's still doing new things uh, with the game system. So um, it's it's been great. It, it definitely fulfilled a niche in the whole deck building thing that had not, to that point, really been explored, which is, you know, I hate you, and I want to hurt you, <laughs> as opposed to, you know, I just want to play my hand, you know. So. I think we have an episode title. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hate you so much. Yes. Oh, it's a new nice. subgenre of Euro gaming called I Hate You. Yes. <laughs> Work replacement, area control, I hate you. There you Seems go. Fun. There you go. I, I, I'm down with this. I'm down with it. Yeah, yeah, I gotta yeah. agree. I gotta yeah. agree. So when shopping now, we we have, we have to create a category that's called I Hate You. There you go. Yeah, there you go. 
Hmm. <laughs> this took a dark turn. Uh, anyway, so uh, speaking of like, uh, you know, conversions of games to digital format, is there anything else in AEG's pipeline uh, of games going to either iOS, Android, or even computer? Mm-hmm. There, are, there are several that are in the works at different levels. Um, there's a, many... There are a lot of iOS developers out there and a lot of them want to, you know, be a part of converting stuff like that and taking over that. So we are currently in the process of entertaining a lot of uh, builds, you know, uh, a lot of proof of concepts and things like that right now, Mm -hmm. uh, just to see who we would want to go with for different titles. Um, Because every, everyone sort of has their own, pros and cons and uh, suffice it to say there are some in progress awesome. but i can't really get into which or which please right. move. I, I wish you would tell me one with smash up that would make me ecstatic i wish i could tell you i wish i could tell you any of them but <laughs> i have to keep my mouth shut that's the one that that's probably the hardest part of the job is you know this this cool awesome thing is happening and i can't tell anybody about it in fact my last two weeks working on this one particular project have been some of the coolest stuff that I've seen in a long time, as far as art coming in and, you know, different things like that. And I can't tell anyone about it <laughs> because it's something that we're not announcing until next uh, April. Oh, wow. So I'm just like, Oh, yeah, man. So it sounds like there's a pretty long pipeline of uh, process there. That has got to be very frustrating sometimes. Oh, there is. And I mean, and that's just the visuals. I mean, the game itself has been in development since, you know, spring, so it, it's a long, it's a long process, and it's wow. uh, so, so. You're talking twelve months from from design to announcement, and probably another six to twelve months till release. Sometimes, sometimes, yeah. depending on the the size of the release, it can be that way. Now, some of them, uh, much smaller games, such as you know, Sale to India, our production time turnaround on that game was incredibly fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game was really solid. I think there were two aspects of the game that we thought might need some tweaking. So we went back and forth with the designer a few times and got his opinion and, and ultimately his blessing on those. And then, um, and then just did our graphics work and layout and it was done in four to six weeks. Wow. Because there wasn't, any, there wasn't much we had to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas a new quote unquote new project, something like say smash up or, mm-hmm or Nightfall or Thunderstone or something we're starting from scratch generally has a much longer lead time. He just took the next question from me. No, I was going to ask, I was going to ask how many, uh, if you were to compare your guys' catalog, uh, both uh, past, present, and obviously things you're looking towards in the future, how much of it is uh, homegrown in house and how much of it is, you know, uh, independent uh, game designers coming to you and pitching you the games? Well, so it, it's funny the independent game designs will make up more of the catalog. Okay, let, let me qualify it this way. Take expansions off the radar, right? Okay. Just new titles, new games. Mm-hmm. In, independent designers or, or, or designers pitching us games and things brought in will generally make up the majority of the products for a year right now, the, the way we're currently doing things. But... The games developed in-house are generally the bigger swings, mm-hmm. not in the sense of we're giving them more attention and we care more about them because they're ours. No, we're, we give all of them equal love and, and, and push and all that. But those are the games that are generally the ones that are generally bigger box games and 
slightly higher price points and are, you know, are expected to, you know, go out and grab a bunch more people. Mm -hmm. Um, But then we have these happy surprises like Love Letter where, you know, oh, it's a great little game to play with, you know, while you're having beer and all of a sudden everyone's playing it. And, you know, so that's just one of those awesome surprises. Yeah, worse things have happened. Exactly. Uh, But then, you know, you put it in perspective and you look at that same year, Smash Up was our, quote, big swing for that year. Mm -hmm. And Smash Up in its first year sold more copies than Thunderstone did over three of its years. Wow. Um, (laughs) And that's just a, that's just sort of a trend, right? Right. Thunderstone, we were still new. We were still very green in the board game side and we, you know, weren't we made mistakes and we didn't know how to push things properly and now we are and so you know obviously we knew how to ramp up something and you know and smash up probably has a little more broad appeal you know, mm-hmm. due to its lightheartedness and stuff too but um you know it's it's not not unexpected that its initial sell-in would be a little faster right so, makes sense no all, all sounds like good stuff well, why are you looking at me? Why are you looking at me? I don't know. <laughs> um, and speaking of Thunderstone, I mean, that's got to be a killer deal getting to get new Numenera under your guys' belt and getting to bring it in under the Thunderstone brand. It was very, very cool. It was uh, one of those things. Jeff Quick was the developer on Thunderstone at that time, and he and Monty Cook were old friends from D&D days. And... You know, he knew Monty was working on the Numenera thing and spoke to him and we put the whole thing together and it was really neat because it 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 brought a freshness to the look of the game um, at a point that, that it's really nice to have, you know, and the settings and the, the multicolored Thunderstone tokens and all this other stuff that the game is using now to do different things mm-hmm. is really, really neat. And um, it was fun to, you know, do the art on that too because, you know, part of the Part of the deal was that much of the art that we got for the cards, Monty then used in the book. Right. So right. we were helping cool. to do some of the visual look of Numenera at the same time, sort of, you know, sort of a back channel thing. Mm-hmm. It was never intended to be that way, but it ended up being that way. So mm-hmm. oh, that's that's definitely pretty cool. Uh, I mean, pretty- I, I'll say this: like I've been reading Numenera now for a little bit, um, planning to get a campaign started, and it, I mean, it's good stuff. It's all. It's cool setting. And it is. I'm excited. I'm, I'm. That's another one. Like I said, that was like trains where I couldn't get a hold of it. I'm trying to get a hold of a copy of the new Thunderstone because you know it wasn't on sale immediately after uh, Gen Con, which you know that's, that's the bane of Gen Con is you pass by something and you're like, I really want this, and you're like, No, I'll get it tomorrow, and then it's gone. And you're like, and then you're like, oh, Crap! I have to wait another three months because uh-huh. you didn't want to carry it around. Be, you know, well, for like an extra two hours because <laughs> your back well, is hurting. <laughs> that's sort of the problem of, of what's going on right now. Anyway, there's, there's so many things. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the hard part and you, it's hard to be decisive on, okay, I'm going to buy this now because there's a whole giant room full of stuff. Um, I remember three years ago, there were 400 distinct titles released at Essen wow. in that single year. And, and the, I mean, just the signal to noise ratio in that environment is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And and you have to, you know, it's really it's hard to get noticed. I mean, games that are games that are you know great don't hardly get noticed because there's just too much, you know, too much going on. And you know that's one of the things we find 
is, you know, we'll have a game that we are pounding the doors down every day talking about online and, you know, showing pictures and saying how much fun it is and blah, blah, blah. And then it comes out and they'll inevitably be those people, oh, I've never even heard of this. And it's like, well, I know. <laughs> we couldn't help it. You know? yeah. We did everything we could. But. Makes sense. Well, actually, uh, there was something I actually wanted to ask him. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go yeah. Ahead. if you don't mind. No, I, uh, by all means, sir. By all means, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we talked a lot about uh, AEG, which I guess is to be expected. I would mm-hmm. hope so. Or this right. is a very, very awkward um, guest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. It took me by surprise. I didn't know we were talking about AEG today. Hey, hey Todd, can you please tell me about another company? Well, I, yes. So, so well, <laughs> give me my opinion on. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop there. Stop there. <laughs> Don't say anything I have to bleep out later, please. Um, no, I guess my question, though, was just what have you been playing lately? That's not uh, that. That's maybe not AEG because I'm sure you oh, play yeah. AEG products all the time, but that's you know part of your job too, right? Yeah, yeah, it is, and, and it is part of my job. And I do enjoy playing a lot of other people's stuff just to, you know, get out there and play different games. Um, obviously, a lot of these games that uh, you know I brought over when I went to Japan are you know little ones I've been playing a lot of, uh, just putting through the motions. But I guess they still sort of qualify as. AEG games. Um, well, you know, if, if something, if one of those is one of your favorites, by all means, tell us. But I, I, I'm, I'm just asking, you know, what all have you been playing lately? Well, lately, my play group, uh, we played a lot of Arkham Horror. Okay, we like choice. we like playing Arkham Horror. Excellent. Um, and another, and and very funny to stay to stay on FFG. Um, one of my buddies, who's a, a a gamer that I play with a lot, uh, really just went crazy into X Wing and bought so much <laughs> of it that none of us had to. So. Wow. We come over and play it at his place, and uh, um, so awesome. we, we played that a lot. That that's actually really fun. I like. I oh, like did X- you see the giant X Wing uh, set at Gen Con? No, I did not. I yeah, did no, not. There was like a tw- uh, like a twenty foot board. Yeah, uh, where they were playing <laughs> X Wing. It was pretty that's epic. Awesome. Yeah. I, st- I stopped by and watched it for a few minutes. Yeah, it, it was it was pretty entertaining to see them move around like ships the size of a poodle. <laughs> yeah, uh, all Kenner toys, you know. Yeah. 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 Well, my my favorite experiences at cons used to be uh, Mike Webb from Alliance Distribution. Uh, we knew each other from when we lived in Memphis, and he was my old game master on the Star Wars RPG, the old West End Star oh, Wars. Wow. Oh, the man, the old, yeah, I was about to say the old D6. Yeah, yeah, the one you could critically fail one out of six times on everything you do. So. <laughs> oh, I remember. Seventy <laughs> percent of the time, you suck. Yes, <laughs> and so, and I'm supposed to save the galaxy. But mm-hmm. We played the heck out of that Star Wars for years and years. You know, all the way off till I went to college and um, and all that. And now he, you know, he's the sales manager for Alliance, and he sets up a big Star Wars event at origins every year Wow! and he would set up like, I remember one year he set up tables and he put, you know, this uh, material looked like sand. It wasn't real sand, but it looked like it on there and basically had the stormtroopers against the sand people as a recreation of Zulu Dawn and the stormtroopers were the British trapped in the fortress and they, and they had to get out and the sand people had it surrounded. And it was this day long event. People would just come and go taking on different units, you know? And, um, (laughs) And then one year he did the entire Battle of Hoth, and it oh, took wow. an entire day to play. Um, you know, every every adept was its own player, and you know, Princess Leia was its own player, Chewbacca was its own player, Luke was its own player, and everyone had their own victory conditions. 
So it was this massive game. So like the Walker commander, his victory condition was bring down the shield. Once he did that, he was done, you know? Uh, Leia's victory condition was get all the ships away. And uh, Chewbacca's victory condition was get the Falcon running. And so everybody had their own stuff they were trying to do uh, in this gigantic game. And it was uh, it was just amazing to come in a few hours later and see where things had progressed to, you know? Wow. Not to mention, he also had a very irate one-armed Wampa figure running around on the board, uh, attacking <laughs> anything that came near it. Um, and it ripped to shreds quite a few stormtroopers who accidentally moved into its area. Well, let's so, be fair. If you got your arm chopped off, you'd be kind of pissed too. Yes, he was very, he was very upset. <laughs> but, uh, so, you know, playing X-Wing with those guys kind of brings back some of those old, you know, Star Wars memories and all that. But, um, you know, and, and then other than that, you know, I mostly play stuff that I play with the kids. Um, I've got uh, two boys that are like five and seven. Mm-hmm. And we play, you know, they love Smash Up, which is one of ours. And they love, oh my gosh, they love Card of the Dead. They play the mess out of Card of the Dead. Okay. Um, I actually came in the other night and they were sitting up in one of them's bed playing it. <laughs> They're like, you're supposed to be asleep. Like, Can we finish? <laughs> all right go ahead and finish and go to sleep and uh, and so I, I think that's geek parenting done right isn't it yes yeah. 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 Hey, now, if now, the reading the cards and understanding how to play the game then yeah. that's not bad and yeah, they your kids are gonna have stories like i had to learn how to read so i could play card of the dead <laughs> we played carcassonne with them before and oh, you know he understood even the five-year-old understands how to play carcassonne oh, he wow. uh he tries to be a little too helpful, though. Like, he wants to help us make our castles bigger instead of <laughs> trying to close them off, which is great. But you like, Dad, you're supposed to farm here. You're supposed to yeah. farm. You know, you can totally, totally win the game if you farm right here. <laughs> you even see that. Nice. Yeah. Mm. So, but no, those are, the, those are the kind of things that we play uh, for fun. Okay. Uh, what about, um, are, you, are you with your game group, are you guys doing any RPGs or... No, I actually have not been able to play in an RPG in many, many years. It's just one of those things where time no. just hasn't allowed it. You know, and, uh, when you when you spend eight hours a day working on games, it's uh, it actually becomes a little hard to justify <laughs> spending additional time on them, um, especially the investment that an RPG requires. Yeah, that makes um, sense. But that's why we're into board games because they're easy to pick up and pick up and go. And you can and they're and they can be family time. Yes, they can be. Yeah. That's one of the best things about it. Yeah. Also, we just learned he has he has you know family time with board games. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I've done it too. Uh, I've, I taught my daughter how to play a few games, uh, including DC Deck Builder from Cryptozoic. Um, uh, we've played Magic together a few times. Ascension. Yeah, Ascension. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't tried teaching L five R. I figured that wouldn't go over too well <laughs> just yet. <laughs> so yeah. a little bit. It's a little bit more in depth. It would. It would. T- I think. Uh, well, the changes with Ivory Edition, the ones I've been reading up on and watching the Dev Diaries, it's going to be a little bit easier to teach someone now. Well, that's good because maybe I can finally finish learning. That would be great. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Oh. <laughs> he is so mean to me. Um, all right. Yeah. So I, it's been it's been great having you, Todd. Well, well hold well, on, Brian. Hold on, Brian. Don't kick him off there just. Oh no, no, Todd. No. This is the moment that we we go with whatever pledge you can do. We need to give you the lightning round to do it. I think he's been playing this whole episode, hasn't he? Yes. Okay. It's okay, though. It's okay. It's the lightning round. He gets one last little bit. Okay. All right, Todd. 30 seconds on the clock. Go. 
All right, if you have not yet, please try Smash Up Trains, Love Letter, Card of the Dead, Cheap Mages, Maximum Throwdown, which I had not even mentioned yet, Agent Hunter, and many of our other small games are coming out, uh, such as Sail to India and My Star. And definitely check out Thunderstone and Monera if you have not yet, and any of our other great games at allerack.com. That, that was perfect. That was 28 seconds. <laughs> I was ready to hit the buzzer, too. That was amazing. <laughs> what is it from uh, the, the, the thing from Arrested Development of the human uh, chronometer? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. oh, man, I cannot. Metronome, the human <laughs> metronome. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brian, tell them what you won. Yeah. Um, but yeah, awesome. But, yeah, so uh, thanks a lot for coming on the show, Todd. Uh, it's been great having you. I can agree. Oh, this has thank been, you. I very much enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I think we could probably fantastic. sit here and geek out for uh, quite a bit longer if time allowed. But uh, <laughs> I'm sure we could. Well, no, that's what that's what that's what we have him on for another show later on down the road. Well, yeah. Well, ho- hopefully, we didn't visit. scare him off. Yeah, I'll come up and visit, and then we can do it in person, and we can you know play a game while we. Oh that, man, that would be That'd awesome. Be amazing. That yeah. would be awesome. So uh, I'll let Tim. Uh, Tim normally does our outro, so I'll let him take it away from here. <laughs> Well, again, Todd, I'm going to say it again. Thanks. Thanks for being on the show. You've been a fantastic guest. And on that note, you know, guys, thank you for joining us for another episode of Epic Turn. You can find our show notes at epicturn.com forward slash episodes uh, forward slash 15. You can always follow us at Epic Turn or Brian can be found at Kelton. I'm found at at Telshin. Yeah. And Todd, where can you be found? If you I can be be found found on Twitter as at Todd Rowland. Okay, And, uh, of course, you can reach me at uh, troland at alderact.com via email. And I'm also on Facebook, though I don't ever go there. So it exists, but I don't use it. So. <laughs> I understand that that, that mentality. <laughs> Redacted statement. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, guys, uh, make sure you rate and subscribe us on iTunes. And as always, please provide us feedback. If you have any comments, if you have any suggestions, all that good jazz, you know, we're always open to it. Mm-hmm. Just hit us back on our wonderful website, epicturn.com. And until next time, have some epic turns. Yeah. See you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye, Todd. Bye-bye. Give me all the ivory cards!